0: Today on The Time Show, Light tries a bribe of $150 million to maintain shelf space and distributors. UAW Strike expands to the Dodge Ram truck plant. UAW October 20th livestream but without censorship and with my charming personality. Maxim names a biological man, one of the 100 hottest women. Jelly Beans, well the company has been sold. GEICO announces a layoff of 6% of their staff. Chevron by Hess for $53 billion. And a Ford Mustang EMOC is recalled due to an error from simply accelerating the vehicle. All that much is more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their files released twice today. Got to say, it's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see. That's the joke. If you're an IT there or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers. So, if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Jelly Beans sold to Fira Candy Company. Now, interestingly enough, Fira is, they're actually previously owned and based in Chicago. They're the maker of more than 20 brands, including Nerds, Sweet Tarts, Black Forest, and Trolley. So, Throughout these years, you wonder where on earth these gelatinous worms come from. And, unfortunately due to false advertising as a child, I almost believe they certainly grew in the ground. Well, quite the antithesis, they're actually mostly chemicals and factory made these days. They're not free rain for the, um, organically inclined in the audience. So, a little disappointing in that regard. Nevertheless, Fiera said that the sale involves nearly 800 Jelly Belly workers in the facilities in California, Illinois, and Thailand but they did not spell out any plan changes for that footprint when as a spokesperson said any details the company is able to publicly share are now at this time so I can't help but think if you just buy a giant company and this company for reasons they have factories and facilities in California and Illinois yes those are the antithesis for most businesses due to regulation costs they're just so absorbent i can't imagine trying to buy a house or rent anything over there so yeah if i were a gambling man if i was a new owner of that company i would say short-term cost it'll be a pretty penny well these days pennies are usually worthless they're 99.99 percent zinc so perhaps a pretty vintage penny is more accurate since they were made of real copper back in the day and i would say well a pretty vintage penny upfront cost yes it'll cost a lot of money to move the factories in the short term however The sales in the aggregate or the savings in the aggregate will be so overwhelming we have to move these facilities to texas florida you know some states are much more friendly and attractive for businesses also states that don't have income taxes employees tend to like that it's a nice little benefit so it'll be interesting to see if they choose to relocate those actual facilities now in terms of fun company history of the jelly beans they were founded in illinois in 1869 and Incredibly enough, they have still maintained to be in business in Illinois for that long when many businesses have been leaving in droves. Boeing, one of the most iconic companies, left their Chicago office and headquarters months ago as every company, again, is just struggling to make ends meet. And Chicago has a lot of issues, including more taxes you can possibly comprehend, and as well as a city that's as safe as... I can't think of a metaphor ridiculous enough to actually convey what I'm trying to say in terms of it's not safe at all. There's a reason it's precipitously gone downhill throughout the year, downhill throughout the years. Although I'm sure they'll be good next year. Some of the Chicago Bears, they'll be good next year. I'm told. <laughs> that's a sports balls joke, cause yeah, they'll, they'll never be good again. At least my three cents. Now, interesting enough, they were founded in 1869. They were actually founded and owned by the Roland family for six generations. So in terms of being a family company, that's something to greatly admire. Most businesses as well as fan- generational wealth usually destroyed his second and third generations an overwhelming majority of the time so to see something that still has a family connection that's my three cents that's pretty cool i kind of as a youth might say that's uh groovy i believe that's a common term and the company said that jelly beans now come in a hundred flavors including a line of sports beans and distributed in more than 60 countries which i mean realistically i can't imagine the last time actually i can't imagine the last time i purchased a jelly bean since i'm an adult Nevertheless, I remember as a child, they were quite popular because of the Harry Potter books. They had the Bertie Botts, every flavor Beans, bees, and of course, brilliant licensing. Jelly Belly actually did an agreement with J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, and they had those fun little novelty jelly beans for with a weird oddity of flavors for quite some time. When was the last time you purchased them? I, Again, not in living memory. But nevertheless, I know it's a very popular candy, and when asked for an additional comment, they said, quote, as we are considering the future of the Jelly Belly company, we have been steadfast in our commitment to create a win-win situation for our employees, our consumers, and our products. Unquote. This is from Harold Rowland Sr., the chairman of the board of directors of Jelly Belly, said a statement, quote, additionally, sorry, quote, When I met with the FIRA team, I recognized a like-minded group that shares our knowledge, our passion for the candy business, as a talent and resources to grow our products and the careers of our people around the world. I'm confident to the continued success of Jelly Belly as part of the Fiera portfolio, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see, maybe perhaps, and again, in terms of successful acquisition, acquisitions throughout the centuries, kind of few and far in between in terms of, when I say the success, I mean, really maintaining the brand, the original brand, the integrity, the quality, not all times, but many times they precipitously go down after an acquisition. Now, there have been a couple of successor ventures throughout the years or partnerships throughout the years but they're kind of few and far between. Now in this case, perhaps they'll just have a lot of savings because again, all these candies have in common, high fructose corn syrup. It's the crap that comes from out of the corn that ironically you can't even eat if you're to go up to the corn stalk and try to eat it. You can't, it's engineered specifically for industry, like putting it into candy and making ethanol. Ridiculously enough. So there are a lot of savings when you have all these brands under one roof. That means you can buy things in bulk even more. So you you're more high fructose corn syrup maybe three natural flavors and a whole myriad of chemicals. Now, when you're buying in bulk, there's a lot of savings, just like when you and I go to the Costco or the Big Box Mart, the bigger stuff you buy in quantity, usually the lower price per unit. So that might be a great benefit to Jelly Beans and hopefully they found some way for the family to continue to stay involved and ensure that they're still a part of the business. And it'll be interesting to see, but for now, it sounds like a little sad business news, but perhaps long-term, it'll be great and we'll all be able to Well, I won't enjoy it, but I'm sure some children will be able to enjoy the joy that is Jelly Belly. Other interesting business use, you have GEICO saying they will lay off about 6% of their staff. Now, that equates, again, when you always look at business statistics, political statistics, any statistics in general, really, you always want to ask yourself, what's the sample size? What's the big picture? Because, sure, 6%, eh, well, if you have 100 employees, yeah, that's, you know, 6 people, but... Because of the huge size of GEICO, relatively speaking, that equates to laying off about 2,000 employees. So that's quite unfortunate if you work there. And quite concerning in terms of, historically speaking, one of the most profitable businesses throughout time has been insurance companies. It's mostly educated gambling. They have their fancy algorithms and they know when things will or not pay out and they know what they need to do in order to make a profit. Now, historically speaking, they've been so profitable, you look at GEICO, majority of their spend, you look at their 10K, and look at all the business, it's mostly advertising because whether people like it or not, some people perceive insurance as a commodity. While I certainly don't, since I've had better experiences with some um, over others, there are a lot of people that kind of fit similar to high fructose corn syrup in a can, also known as soda pop or s- soda or pop, depending on where you live in the country. So, in order to gain market share, traditionally they have to do a lot of advertising. Now, with Geico, it'll be interesting to see. Unfortunately, they do not specify what parts of the company in terms of those roles. It sounds as if it might be kind of a flat rate in terms of all departments affected equally. Good rule of life if you're just getting early in your career or if you're thinking about career. Sales, while you do have your ups and downs, traditionally, those are the last people let go when it comes to layoffs because they're generating direct, it's a very direct correlation to their performance and the performance of the business. So one of my mentors early on in my life always told me sales is a pretty safe bet in terms of job and career stability. As long as you can perform adequately or even better, Accelerate your performance and perform even better than the rest. Now, nevertheless, in regards to the communications from the CEO Todd Combs, he actually said that, and this was a company-wide email, which I actually do. Kind of, certain instances where emails just make sense because they're time saver saver. It'll be interesting to see if there's any cultural backlash internally in terms of the company if they would prefer a video call or an all hands call. Which, if you work in corporate America. It's exactly what it sounds. Everyone, all hands on deck. Everyone in the company gets on a giant conference call, and you listen to leaders and see what kind of ideas they have. And sometimes, if you're lucky, they'll they'll ask for feedback, and they give you more insight to the company's current and future state. Now, in terms of this company-wide email, Todd Gomes cited the need to the position to Mrs. For regarding why they did a layoff. He said the need was for quote long-term profitability and growth, and they additionally said that and as unquote. Additionally, said that the layoffs are due to a number of factors, including the inflation and rising medical costs. In addition to parts and labor shortages, have extended their auto repair times, adding a quote, very, significant, very difficult period, unquote, is according to the CEO. So it'll be interesting. That's another thing when it comes to the good old-fashioned ripple effect, kind of throw a stone in a pond. Well, oh, I was going to say, depending on where you live, that may or may not be a conceivable thing. But if you do that, you'll see the ripples go throughout, you know, the whole pond. And they get bigger and big. or they start very big and they get really small, but it goes throughout the whole pond. So interestingly enough, a lot of these factors are people like, oh yeah, inflation, that's not... There's actually some people that I should, maybe I should do, let me know, would you appreciate me doing like a street interview where I go on the streets and ask crowds of people? There are people who legitimately don't think there's an inflation issue right now. They think the economy is great, including the US Treasury Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, which, yeah, she's the one who says, oh yeah, we can afford to give even billions, and billions, billions of dollars of no fiscal ramifications which again is akin to having a teenager 10 grand in credit card debt and asking dad to use the other credit card and they go oh yeah this will fix the situation i'll just buy more candy and popcorn and um single cycle unicycles i assume that's what youth purchase these days some cd players still in style maybe perhaps but it'll be interesting in terms of industry similarities state farm had a similar layoff where they allowed specifically about 11 percent of the workforce that was last, oh, a couple months ago in August. That correlated to about 2,400 employees. So again, another company were traditionally very profitable, pretty consistent in their growth rate. Now, let me know in comments, do you think this is them just trimming the fat and using some political talk? Or is it legitimately because of these increased costs, the increased healthcare costs in the United States, as well as the increase of, you know, the parts getting hard to find? And that's only gonna get worse if, unfortunately, you use something that's manufactured by Ford GM or Stellantis, also known as Chrysler, well, I say that because they're still on strike. So part of the strike includes the parts department. So if you need a part to repair your vehicle and statistically speaking, those need many repairs, well, you're gonna have to sit and wait because they're very short staffed. Now, I think in terms of the lesson learned in terms of those companies, the lessons learned should be cross train your employees. So when there's an inevitable strike, because there are always strikes for those companies, well, then you can adapt quicker and you don't have to worry about these affecting your customers. Now, nevertheless, going back to GEICO, their automotive insurance, well, they do all insurance, but I think most people know them for automotive insurance. It'll be interesting to see will this also increase their prices as well? And is this indicative of the economy gonna get worse over time? Let me know in the comments. It'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Other interesting business use: you have Chevron gonna buy Hess Oil for $53 billion. Now, this is specifically $53 billion in an all-stock deal. And the company has announced this earlier this week, Monday. And with the purchase, importantly, the Chevron company will gain a foothold in Guyana, wh- which is one of the world's major new oil producers. This is per Bloomberg. And they will add resources also in the Gulf of Mexico, Mexico the Bakken Shale Formation, which also that formation reaches into Montana, North Dakota, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Saskahoot, Saskatchewan. Say that 12 times in a row and I might get it right once, perhaps. Other time perhaps now they also say that the deal is expected to close in the first half of 2024 because again when it comes to any acquisition especially ones of these eyes there's more paperwork than you can possibly fathom and more fact checking and more it is a huge ordeal and there will be teams by teams of people involved in this and of course there's a small eh, there's a not insignificant threat of the SEC shooting it down or the Security Exchange Commission with antitrust lawsuits or antitrust concerns now Interesting enough, this is just weeks after one of the largest competitors, ExxonMobil, and also it would be purchasing Texas-based Pioneer Natural Resources for billions as well. So we're seeing all these consolidations in the oil industry, partially because, well, I think for many reasons. One of the issues is the U.S. has decreased the amount of permits that they've given out throughout the years. Well, that's Politics 101, actually, because at the time, it was the people who voted um, during the last election, they wanted that. So you have less permits so that's a benefit they've increased them a little bit still buying a competitor is much more e- usually at a certain scale it's much more easier than growing organically so it'll be interesting to see as gas prices go up and up and up how at the end of the day we're going to increase supply also there's government entities that don't want there to be an increase in supply so it'll be interesting to see what the future of energy is i was gonna, I, I was gonna say maybe someday people will realize how great nuclear is Kids are considering that's one of the best ROIs out there when it comes to clean energy. And many would argue it's also 100% re- you know, renewable and also it's also 100% green. Because, I mean, the, the byproduct is depleted uranium, which the military loves because it makes tank busters. Because it's one of the most dense substances on the planet is depleted uranium. Put it in the middle of a little tank round and bam, bust through another pan- tank. So it'll be interesting to see. But as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light bribe 150 million dollars, attempting to buy and keep the shelf space, as well as keep the distributors happy, after their sales precipitously continue to crash lower and lower and lower. Now, uh, this is all thanks to the brilliant brainchild Alyssa hyderchild who was very proud about being the, being the very first woman executive for marketing at Asbury Bush in Beth. She thought it was a brilliant idea. They're going to partner up with Dil mulvaney an up and coming TikTok star. Who's best known for being a trans activist and having the YouTube or TikTok series, rather, in which Dylan was again biological male, um, dressing up in women's clothes and makeup and all the other accessories, in which Dylan proclaimed to have a day of womanhood all the way up to 365, and then to celebrate that 365th day, Andrew Bush and Bev sent this person a can with their face on it, which instead. Interestingly enough, that perhaps is the most valuable piece of marketing memorabilia in history because of the historical impact it had. Because I say that no company has ever messed up more, I believe, in history. In fiscal Q2, they lost $400 million in sales. It's gone compared to the same fiscal period last year. And every week, sales are down about 30% for Bud Light brand specifically by dollar amount. Per volume, it's usually 26 to 27% by volume. Now, they've had this issue, huge cultural backlash. And then you also have people when Bud Light didn't quote unquote stand with Dylan. Well, then they alienated people on the far left who are standing for this trans activist. Oh, many people are also concerned. Oh, yeah, Dylan's average age in terms of who watches this individual on the TikTok is 15 years old. So for some odd reason, marketing alcohol towards that age group, many people didn't think that was a prune business idea. Who would have thought? But nevertheless, everyone got pissed off, and even people in the mill were confused and annoyed, and they just don't want to have a lecture every time they try to enjoy a beer. Although you could also debate how many people truly enjoyed Bud Light prior to the incident. That perhaps requires some investigative journalism, though I almost dare not experience it firsthand because I would have to inebriate or drink a Bud Light. Which, I mean, might kill me, you never know, the taste itself. But nevertheless, Andrew Bush has a big problem they're losing sales week after week. Now, one of the biggest things that keep you in business when you're a big box company like that is shelf space. Most some companies take decades to get on that shelf, especially at Walmart. That's some the most valuable real estate on the planet, bar none. And because their sales has dropped so far, Walmart and 7-Eleven, those are the two major brands that they've been talking about in terms of losing their shelf space, are decreasing their shelf space considerably, which again, takes years to get that shelf space. And with beer, a lot of people, buy it on a whim they don't put it down on a list because again you don't need it especially if it's Bud Light well you could also argue no one needs Bud Light but nevertheless when it comes to like a grocery list that you write down not a lot of people actually I would argue put that down as a necessity they get by it as an impulse similar to people who buy high fructose corn syrup at the checkout or also known as candy bars but it's one of those issues where if it's on the shelf and you see it you'll buy it so the more you see it the more likely they are to buy it perhaps so that's why this is a big threat the sales are already down if they lose a the shelf space Well, it just makes the situation that much worse. So Andrew Bush and Bev is thinking, how can we maybe remediate the situation? We're going to spit these companies or bribe them, whatever term you prefer. We're going to give a huge fiscal incentive for them not to take away our shelf space and not to stop distributing a product that no one is buying. Well, I should not be so bombastic. 30% of people are saying they will not buy. I don't know if there's an issue in the United States with taste buds where 70% of Americans don't have taste buds anymore. That perhaps is a more, perhaps is an issue we need to address in full within another investigation. But they still have 70% of their sales. So, relatively speaking, the glass is half full. Now, again, the glass is 70% full, but with Bud Lights, you could argue it's also worth, you know, you'd rather have an empty glass to begin with. But nevertheless, now, this is thanks to the New York Post, and they're talking about $150 million in incentives, which again, imagine being the number one beer for 20, about 20 years. You didn't have to do anything. You just put out a country music, commercial, sponsor a f- sports balls game, and then one marketing initiative just tanked your company overnight. That's the business brilliance of Alyssa Sheld and Dylan Mulvaney. You see, that was sarcasm. It was a business blunder of the century, bar none. Now, it looks like specifically, they're, they're actually putting these incentives to the sugars and the beer companies to keep the shelves stocked with their product. Because these retailers are more and more reassigning the space towards the beer brands that are actually are selling, such as Coors, Yangling, as well as, oh, what was the best? Um, eh, oh, yeah, Miller, which shows how much I actually consume beer. Personally, I usually prefer spears when the occasion calls for it, but nevertheless, let's see here. In terms of the specifics, um, they're calling it a market share incentive. So the largest brewer told the distributors hit by the Ballet Fasco that it's established a marketing recovery incentive program, also known as we're paying you. Please for so the love of God, don't stop shipping our beer. And that program's beginning second half oh it's going to be in beginning the second half of 2024 through the end of next year. This is according to a memo from anheuser bush chief commercial officer, Kyle Norrington. The trade publication reported, which Again, so much money they're trying to throw at this situation where they could have fixed this. You tell us Heckler & Koch, or Koch, depending on how you pronounce it, it's a very popular German arms manufacturer. They've been around forever. Most well-known for prolifically creating the MP5. Now, they had an issue where the social media gal decided to do a business blunder of the day, and they decided to talk about pronouns and culturally sensitive topics that alienate a certain part of your customer base which i would say if you're talking about firearms more often than not they're conservative and within 24 hours hk addressed the post on twitter and said hey we do not want to get into politics that's not our brand and they leaned into the meme brilliantly i say that because they actually had a picture of the jurassic park dinosaur excrement and there's a meme on it and they said new hk social media manager coming into which that was and that was a Funny meme to put out. They're addressing the situation. They're talking about how they messed up. And of all the companies to actually come back, or in terms of, I don't know if you want to call it unwokify the company, that's the most bizarre one. Because if you look at HK, that company in particular, they get a lot, a majority of their revenue comes from government contracts. The civilian market for them, it's an aftermarket. It's basically sprinkles on the cake, metaphorically speaking. It's a very little part, which is why you go to most stores in the United States for guns either have no hk display and i say display like a show display with all the firearms that they create they have a very small very small show display or no display at all they don't carry the product but again that's a good example of culturally speaking from a business perspective how you could turn the situation around and as a bush they're doing it's almost as if they're trying everything to make the situation worse or darn near and it just Even with all this money, and again, I don't, let me know in the comments. It's one of those things where money doesn't fix all problems, especially when you made a mistake, and you're not willing to admit it. I can't be, perhaps a good metaphor for Bud Light. Is Bud Light the Jada, well, what was that? Jaden Smith of beers? That'd be interesting. That perhaps might be the most apt metaphor I've thought of. Let me know in the comments. Do you think that's the best metaphor thus far? Now it'd be interesting to see, let me know in the comments, again, they're putting all these incentives. They're trying to basically buy time because that's what they're doing. They're paying to keep it on the shelf because they think it will eventually sell. And again, they're still selling 70% of their beer, depending on what you really want to call it. They're also giving a lot of it away with the sweepstakes Another topic for another time, but they're trying to buy time to keep that shelf space because they desperately need it. If they ever want to regain that, say, the volume of product and the sales of product. And again, this is for next 2024 second half. Will the situation be gone by then? A lot of analysts, a lot of people are saying these sales are gone and you're never going to get them back. Let me know in the comments. Do you think, again, this isn't really addressing the issue. This is them just buying shelf space and trying to buy time. Is that, do you think there's enough time for that to, to actually happen? And then, is that enough? It'll be interesting to see, but as, as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Maxim Magazine puts out a or puts a biological man on the, quote, 100, hottest 100 women list, unquote. I think the biggest cultural surprise here is also, magazines still exist, apparently, or Maxim still exists, even more unusual. Now, this is thanks to a report from the Daily Wire. Now, Maxim Magazine specifically named biological male and former Australian rules football player daniel ladley to its hottest 100 list in australia for 2024. now you could perhaps argue for australia's pot 100. that was a little joke there huh huh all right never lie now they should they actually put this person the uh, trans-identified man landing at number 92. i i, I don't normally get jealous Man, that, it's a pretty impressive jawline, I'm not going to lie. Even if even if I were to shave, you'd be sorely disappointed at my jawline. You see this person's jawline, you're like, that's a very masculine jawline. But nevertheless, it looks like La- Daniel, wait, Danielle or Danielle. Nevertheless, lately, who played and coached the Australian Football League, which is joking in and of itself, the AFL, please. Now, they also join actress Margaret Robbie on the hot list to name the hottest woman for the fourth time. Who the hell is a Margaret Robbie? What is a Margaret? Margaret Robbie. I don't know who this person is. Is it an actress? Oh, interesting. Now, the magazine released the list on Wednesday and it was being blasted for honoring a biological male on the list of hot women but also because three years ago, Ladley was formally went by the first name of Dean, was arrested for stalking, which, uh, uh, this did the Daily Wire not understand the easiest way to get out of any crime is just to change? I mean, there's a reason Caitlyn Jenner never got arrested for killing that person in the automobile accident. That that, that was uh, as before Caitlyn became Caitlyn. I was going to say, I need like, a, um I almost, I almost feel like I need the meme of it's always something to get Philadelphia where I have a, a chart full of everything. Where Charlie's trying, trying to figure out where the mail is going. Fun moderately intended with the mail part. But nevertheless. It looks like. Yeah arrested for stalking. And in 22. The Maxim honoree reported pleaded guilty. To stalking after repeatedly making calls. And sending text messages. To a woman. Also sitting in a car outside her home. Watching and taking pictures of her. And again I should clarify. Taking pictures of the other person, I know the grammar teachers must be in it. You know, their heads must be rolling over uh, the confusion. Well, I guess public school teachers really don't do much these days on, on average, since you have you know math, science, history scores all time low, ACT scores at thirty-two year low. Nevertheless, now, of course, and in, well, actually, interestingly enough, there have been some backlash on the Twitter sphere, and we all know Twitter, well. It's called X, but I think we all call it Twitter. Now, this was actually posted on Twitter by End Wokeness. And this person said, quote, This is Danny Ladley, a biological male, added Hot 100. And it got 5.5 million views in a couple days. And looks like... What's this person's name again? I gotta be courteous and use the right name. So the former... Dean not of a school but the name that was Dean is now Danielle okay so it is Danielle it's a new name okay so this is a video of Danielle okay interesting so we'll play this video and if you have suggestions for picture-in-picture production software I appreciate it I'm trying to find one that really is more intuitive and actually well works I tried one where it just wouldn't show the other screen so if you have suggestions please put them in the comment below so you can make the show better I took the feedback I Hear the comments that want it, so I'm trying to find the best way to do that in real production, not post production with editing. So, and perhaps of all things, you don't want to see. I, I don't think you want to see this. it will probably. I'm not. I'm not saying it's hundred percent guarantee. I'll bring your eyes out. I'm just saying it's not a zero percent chance risk. But nevertheless, I will play the audio for you. Um, you know, I was in. I was in the one point eight um, percent of transgender people who hit it from the world. Be vulnerable. Find some people who you can trust, um, who you can talk to, and they'll support you, and invariably, everything will be okay. I told my truth, which was, you know, to, to help to help Dad out and, and tell... Wait a minute. Won't this guy get cancelled now? So this is Kane, lately, who is Danielle's son. So, I wonder if this person will get cancelled... A- Although, yeah. First story, the best way that I, could. I guess the son did use the preferred pronouns, so perhaps... Wait, so can you still... Can you still use the word... Dad? Or does it... It's hard to keep track of all this. Again, a little... Ven... Not Venn diagram, but one of those conspiracy boards with all the nice little yarn and little pins. I think that would be handy for some of these situations. Because again, Depending on how, what that son says, if you would have a YouTube channel, it would be, you know, nuked. It would be, you know, get a strike. It'd be censored immediately. Now, interestingly enough, what do you think of the comments? Do you think they'll be very approving and supportive of this uh, nomination? Or I guess, no, I guess it's an award for Maxim Magazine? Or do you think it will be pejorative? Let's dive in and find out. Let's see here. Whoa. It's not rocket science, which a plus for marketing because their picture is of a space rocket. This person says, quote, are there only 99 women left in the world? When did that actually happen? Unquote. Got ni- 4,939 likes. <laughs> and interestingly enough, End Wokeness responded to that saying, Rosie O'Donnell still wouldn't make the cut, unquote. They got 1,678 likes. Oh, it's a good old uh not Hercules, but uh, He Man meme in which he says something interesting that he Goes away on his little moped thingamajig. Looks French. Nevertheless, this gif, or meme more accurately, this meme says trans women are just mansplaining what it's like to be a woman. And then He Man turns around and goes away and says, Until next time, friends. Got 631 likes. See here. A meme that says you probably never bit. you've probably never been Woman of the Year, but these men have. And it's a picture of the famous weightlifter who changed genders to be a weightlifting championship, as well as other people who have received accolades and awards for changing gender. And that got 448 likes. Ooh, Austin Powers, a little bit of a retro gif, or meme. This person said, by the name of Maria Isabella, saying, quote, oh, I guess this is, you know, in the meme, it says, that's not woman, it's a man baby. And it's Austin Powers saying it, so... Hilarious British voice insert there. I got 1,724 likes. Another hilarious photo complication of biological men dominating in sports as well as entertainment. And the gif for the words say, the patriarchy always wins, unquote. And that got 221 likes. So very well recepted. Another one has a. Oh, Miss Maria. Maria is very active. It's like six of her no seven oh my gosh Maria is Maria Isabella has seven like j- memes in a row though they're all I mean they're all very well received again hundreds of thousands of likes so one of them is of Clint Eastwood the original OG as the youth might call him in his good old cowboy getup, and it says quote a good kick in the balls will solve your gender confusion unquote I got 1,378 likes out of 21,000 views. Another one from Maria Isabella saying with a G- Dr. Seuss, not meme, but it's a Dr. Seuss Photoshop book. And the Dr. Seuss book says, quote, if you're born with a private part, you are not a chick, unquote. And it got 1,860 likes. Now, I'm trying to find some responses that aren't uh, Isabella. She's very popular. All right, we finally took a little scrolling. Again? Okay. She's going all out on these. Alright. I was going to say, she's got thousands of likes. We're going to do some other ones. Prophecy 13 says, quote, Being a bad-looking man and a woman at the same has got to be tough, unquote. person got 1,018 likes. Let's see here. A lot of the gifs, or the memes, rather, of Jesus smoking a cigarette saying flooded again which i was going to say that's a retro throwback to the youth i was going to say i know public schools don't teach bibles anymore or much for that matter but nevertheless that is a retro meme although i don't think that meme was was around at the time a retro reference nevertheless although some people might say some things don't go out of style or something something to that effect let's see here some by the name of Jason Stafford saying, quote, David Lee Roth looks great for his age, unquote, getting 499 likes. Someone actually, again, Maria Isabella is on fire with her activity. She's very busy in this thread. Her response, another very liked one, is one in which you have Job of the Hutt with a pink wig, eyeliner, or whatever you call the thing you put on top of the eye, and then blue lipstick. And the gif, or not the gif, the text on that says, It's ma'am. I got 448 likes. Mr. Frosted Sleet, saying, quote, no one takes this crap seriously, unquote, got 300 likes. Let's see here. Oh, you got some... Uh, oh, no, that's Maria again. I was going to say, I thought I thought I found a supportive... Because I saw the flag. So I thought it was a supportive response, but not so much. Maria Isabella has a trans flag, and her text on the flag says trans women are men um, and then it got 192 likes so I, i'm trying to find again again there's press confirmation bias because this was tweeted by someone by the name of end of Wokeness. so presumably the people following this are looking for that kind of content uh people someone named dr venture saying people need to help lens crafters unquote getting 111 likes Oh, so I'm not the only one who saw this or observed this. You have so named Bitnarsen quote, He just said his dad was a hurt, unquote. And he got 86 likes. Let's see here. So again, I'm... I mean, this is one of the most... Whoa. Uh, again, Maria Isabel is on fire. She Another one that got over 446 likes. This one has a picture complication, or a picture of two pictures, perhaps double the picture for your money, in which you have someone wearing black faces and says the meme or the text is offensive to African Americans. And then you have the picture supplanted right next to it of Dylan Mulvaney, who, as I was going to say, if, you have, if you're living under a rock, Dylan Mulvaney is a biological man who turned a trans activist. And that said, the gift or the text under Dylan says not offensive to women. Got 446 likes from Isabella. And... John Johnson three says quote Maxim magazine should declare bankruptcy and then vanish from the face of the earth a man in the dress is a man of the dress and he can't ever be a woman and no matter what his fantasies he'll still need a prostate exam when he turns 40 unquote got 347 likes so needless to say in terms of people agreeing with a Twitter post I mean, this is perhaps the most absolute agreement with the original statement I've ever seen. And it'll be interesting, again, this is Australia, it'll be interesting to see, culturally speaking, does the pendulum continue to swing the same way in the United States in terms of the cultural acceptance of the biological men or the trans men uh, winning these types of awards and accolades, or will the pendulum swing back to the middle? Where do you think, culturally speaking, the United States future is in the next 12, 24, 36 months as businesses and people continue to research and see these types of things come to the forefront. When it is seeming, it is exponentially increasing in frequency. You're seeing it and reading it and knowing about it more and more. It'll be interesting to see how society takes it or evolves or What It'll be interesting to see how it goes from here. Let me know in the comments. Do you think in terms of these awards and accolades, will they increase, decrease, or vanish from the face of the earth. It'll be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the political part of the podcast, you have the United Auto Workers expanding their strike against the good old Big Three. Kneecapping, I mean, striking against Chrysler, Stellantis. They're now having 6,800 workers walk off the Ram Trunk Assembly Plant. Which, again, the importance of trucks is paramount for the automotive industry. When I say the importance of trucks, I mean internal combustion engine trucks, the ones that are, you know, profitable, the other ones are losing money for now. Again, in the aggregate over a long-term time, the companies will, in theory, become profitable like Tesla did back in the day with their sedans. Now, with Chrysler, they actually went bankrupt so bad in 2009, in part because of the UAW contracts. Well, they actually bought out by a European company by the name of Fiat, and the new corporate company that owns more brands than you can count is now called Stellantis. So they own Chrysler, which owns Dodge as well as Jeep, which, if you're an American, those are probably the most popular brands. Now, I'm not saying Dodge and to go bankrupt again, but they did kill the manual transmission for the truck in 2019. Disgusting. Every vehicle by default should have three pedals. And in fact, I would actually have a mandate saying they should all have three pedals so everyone could learn how to drive properly. You enjoy the experience, you can't dex drive or eat your Big Mac or, you know, seven extra large soda pop from the 7 Eleven to give you, you no, know, say, Statistically, give you a high frequency of potential gain diabetes. I should clarify, I don't want to get sued, although it'd be a hilarious lawsuit by 7 Eleven. I don't blame them for their high frequency corn syrup, remember. But nevertheless, I did, I kind of admired Dodge. They had a great vehicle, especially, well, thanks to the third party Cummings engine, good old diesel engine, before the government bastardized it with all these band aids to make them unreliable and last, you know, basically make them disposable. I don't, I don't put too much blame on ram for having to acquiesce to government because the government does have the biggest guns against them but and i do admire them for having this they they're the last truck i say truck the big truck is the Ram 2500 they were the last truck you can get with three pedals manual transmission the most fun you could ever have and now the only truck you can get in the united states the jeep gladiator is not a truck doesn't count i'm sorry the last truck you can get in the united states with a stick shift also known as three pedals the best vehicle on the planet is not like toyota tacoma which is a light duty truck, you can't do a lot of towing on it. So unfortunately, I don't want to say they're canceled, but Dodge, Ram, sort of disappointed. Now, in terms of the importance of what keeps the company's lights on, well, it quite literally is the most important part of an automotive company is the trucks. They lose money on most cars, especially compact cars and cars that are built to a price point, you know, entry level vehicles. They lose money on those things left and right. The trucks are where they actually make a profit. So. To have them be kneecapped at this particular plant is going to be detrimental to Stellantis. Now, it looks like specifically it's going to have the this is also Stellantis' largest walkout as well. So they're hitting up the most profitable and important plant and have them all walk out. Now, the walkout at the Sterling Heights Assembly Plant in suburb in a suburb of Detroit produces you know the most popular their popular truck, the Ram pickup truck. Now that brings the total number of UAW members on strike to about forty thousand members, which like I'm not, I'm not saying it's an easy job to you know just sit all day with a picket sign but they're making $500 per week which again I think about how hard I've worked throughout my life and how little I got paid relative to $500 per week I can't fathom getting $500 a week to strike now interestingly enough was that 40,000 members or 40,000 people who are currently striking and remember they have a, a war fund or a chest about 820 million to 850 million dollars in the bank so they can sustain the strike for a long time that's why i don't think the strike is going to end anytime soon i might be wrong they have negotiations going around literally every minute of the day seemingly with proposals going back and forth between the big three and the united workers but as of right now that means every week they're paying about paying the members about 20 million dollars per week because they're paying all the people who are striking now granted if you're a member of the aw that's awesome because again For a lot of time, you're just paying your dues to have the uaw elect politicians who ironically destroy your industry with further rules and regulations, and of course also moving you to push you to make EV vehicles, which would mean less of your jobs. The irony is hilarious to say the least. Oh, and also those are the same politicians who cause inflation. Don't get me wrong, both sides cause inflation, but yeah. The past two years, the amount of money the government has printed is ridiculous. So that's $20 million per week they're currently spending, and they will be spending after these folks walk off the assembly line. So they, well, this still playing lead time, they could stay out. Now, the union, of course, put out a statement accusing Stellantis of, quote, the worst proposal on the table, unquote, for wage progression, cost of living adjustments, and other issues. This was according to Sean Fain, the president, when he's putting out a message to the pick pickup line. Now, interestingly enough, they caught the worst proposal on the table. Yeah, well, they're also not the biggest in terms of the, the big three. And that, yeah, I was going to say, they also went bankrupt the worst. They went bankrupt so bad, a European company bought them out. They're no longer, depending on your different how you define an American company, I mean, Stellantis is now a foreign, their headquarters, Stellantis, the big parent, is headquartered overseas. So, they have a lot less to offer. It'll be interesting to see a wise old saying, I remember from an old-timey movie, You know, a good rule of thumb is if the movie's in black and white, it's probably worth watching. Once they start to color, you know, get to the generation where they start to have color films, uh you probably have to check out some reviews because usually the quality can't help but think they precipitously declined but it will be interesting to see in the old movies i remember the gangster yeah key largo is a brilliant movie with humphrey Bogart, one of the original ogs as you, you might call him he says to the main protagonist who plays the gangster from chicago al capone I should say the main gangster from Chicago. There's never going to be a loss or less gangsters in volume in the city to this day. But nevertheless, he said at the pinnacle of the movie, he says, "One day you're going to have to teach me how to squeeze blood from a rock," which I can't help but think. Again, this is a pivotal time for these automobile companies. They can only cons- they can only give up so much where they go bankrupt or they can't have the money to invest in the EV programs that ironically the UAW wants them to make. So again, this is one of the most important factories the company has. Granted. Let me know in the comments. Are you going to buy a vehicle this week? Probably not. Personally, I buy Japanese so they last 20, 50 years and a million miles. But I also try to make my, you know, stretch the dollar as long as possible. With the economic uncertainty, I don't think there's a lot of people purchasing vehicles right now. And again, I appreciate the feedback in the comments. I am trying to work on decreasing the rate at which I speak. I know naturally I speak way too fast, and, you know, copious amounts of coffee probably doesn't help the situation. But nonetheless, usually work about 105 hours a week, and coffee does help. So let me know in the comments, what other feedback that would make the show better? And I do understand that's something I am trying to actively work on. So let me know in the comments, do you think with the trucks in particular, what is Stellantis gonna do? Are they going to shut down the plant completely? Is it to the point at which for this particular plant, those particular employees walking off will result in the lack of ability to complete the vehicle similar to how Ford had to shut down the Bronco plant after the UAW did a partial strike where they actually had part of the assembly line come off the plant. But got to the point where they actually couldn't finish the vehicle so it'll be interesting to see what happens to that particular use case but as I always say time shall tell other interesting political news you have United Auto Workers livestream of President Sean Fain on October 20th but without censorship and with my charming personality now I say that because as usual the comment section on these videos are of course by default disabled and while I might not agree with everything in the comment section or many people in general, I'm an old soul in terms of, I might not agree with everything you're saying, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Partially because I'm an American, and that's what Americans should believe, and that's what we are founded on. So again, we not, might we may not agree on many of the issues, and truth be told, I had a great conversation with someone who had a disagreement in terms of the philosophy of how, societal, how a society should support s- single mothers and the babies we had a good back and forth and while i didn't agree with this person's methodology and i explained my position we both wanted to address the situation and assist with the proper situation we just had different methodologies on how to get there and we were pretty calm and collected we didn't have a angry back and forth and lo and behold i found a fascinating topic and we really have a good back and forth so if you disagree with what i'm saying about this coverage let me know and if you're someone at the uaw if you're someone working the front lines I'd be fascinated to hear your perspective. Do you love Sean Fain? I mean, he got voted in. I mean, a lot of people wanted to strike in general. And if you're part of the big three and perhaps you want to rename, remain anonymous for security reasons, let me know. Do you agree with UAW? Or do you think it'll bankrupt the company? Again, more conversation, the better. And as wise man once said, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And I always think the best, in terms of what ideas come to the top, I think the best cordial exchange of ideas and perhaps a debate is the best thing to go forward. And... Lastly, before I start the video, if you have suggestions on picture-in-picture production software, I appreciate the feedback if you have any suggestions. I say this because I know there are many ways to do it post-production, but with the current resource allocation I have now and my time constraints, I really need something that can do picture-in-picture during production. I did try a brand by name of XSplit, but my camera, which is a USB Hyper, was a Razer Hyken 4K, it wouldn't recognize the camera even after I updated the drivers. So if you have suggestions, I would appreciate it because I do want to make the show better for everyone. And as cliche as it sounds, together we can make it better. So without further ado, I will go ahead and I will start the video in terms of, I don't want to say slacking, but a wise man once said, every man should always suit up for every important occasion in your life. Well, personally I also do it from just grocery shopping since optimally for time, best to do it from coming back from a meeting. But nevertheless, Sean has acquiesced from a suit. Last week he was in a sweater which he got from a gift from a European union that came to visit. Now he's in a sweater. I'm not saying it's pathetic, but yeah. Although, to his credit, in terms of marketing, it does have a UAW embroidered on. So that's... I'm not saying silk screen isn't the best, but I'm saying embroidery is pretty... it's pretty fancy. It's... that's pretty Cadillac, as the youth might say. <laughs> that's a joke because the youth don't buy Cadillacs. Well, many people don't. Although the CTS-4 with the stick shift, twin turbo V6, the stick, that's brilliant Detroit engineering. I wish they would do more of it, but again, GM wants Cadillac to be full EV by 2030. GM all to be EV by 2035. It'll be interesting to see if that works out. But nevertheless, UAW Sean Fain.
1: Good afternoon, UAW family. Today we're going to take a closer look at where things stand in bargaining with the big three. In the past 24 hours, we've gotten new offers from two of the three companies. Mm-hmm. So despite all the bluster about how much the companies have stretched, there's clearly still room to move.
0: Squeeze blood from that rock. Johnny Rocco, oh, I think that was the old movie. Key Largo, brilliant film with Humphrey Bogart. I knew I'd remember it'd get, I'd get there eventually. But nevertheless, back to the video.
1: But there's also a lot going on across our union, not just in the big three. This week, nearly 1,000 UAW members walked out on strike at three casinos here in Detroit as part of the Detroit Casino Council. During the pandemic, these workers barely got a raise. So they've...
0: Yes, most companies also almost went out of business. Many did actually go out of business. And actually, during the peak pandemic, no one was buying vehicles. It, ironically enough, when the pandemic first started, that's the best time to buy a vehicle. You can buy it for, they're giving out huge incentives. I guess maybe he's talking about the end when the supply chain and everything got messed up with the semiconductor lack of production, and then they started to increase, which again, if you look at the profits, the dealerships made the most profits with the markups, which are separate business entities that there's no benefits to the main companies that produce a product such as GM Ford and Stellantis. But nevertheless.
1: We've launched the first ever wall to wall casino strike. Yesterday we joined those members along with Blue Cross Blue Shield UAW members on strike and big three UAW members on strike. Secretary Treasurer Margaret Mock and Vice President Mike Booth told the crowd that this isn't just about one industry or one workplace. It's about the whole working class finally standing up to corporate greed. Sunday night, the master contract will expire covering 1,100 workers at General Dynamics in Region 1, Region 2B, and Region 9. At a time when there's endless money for war, somehow there's still no money for the working class.
0: Ah, an interesting political topic. I wonder if he'll lean into that interesting idea. Now, fun business fact, fact of the day, back in the World War II, all these companies actually supported the war effort because partially we didn't have it specific defense industry for the most part in the United States. GM actually made everything from tanks to machine guns. IBM prolifically made the M1 carbine as well as doing well maybe say the most morally vacuous manufacturer and maintenance of devices in history. Uh, Don't look up IBM in World War II. I'll just uh, say that much. So it'll be interesting to see. That is a very politically hot topic in the United States' defense budget. Although in terms of ROI and, well, you could, also def- you could also defend the defense of the United States and why we have not invaded, when, well, in terms of there are many very beneficial things in terms of geographically. Well, as I say, the borders are a joke United, well, for the most part. But well, a lot of people attribute our defense industry for that reason as well because, again, if you look at the, the world, the United States has the most advanced tech, bar none, when it comes to the defense industry. There's a reason the largest defense contractors on the planet, they're all headquartered here. Think about it. You have Boeing, which was the original, well, as we say, the OG in terms of aerospace manufacturing. Funny, we think, or many people think, they're commercial today in terms of commercial manufacturing for the planes we fly on for you know work and fun. But they were best well known back in the day for war manufacturing and military vehicles. So you have Boeing, their headquarters in the United States. You have Lockheed Martin, the most, the largest defense contractor in the world, most prolifically known for making the F-35 Lightning II, the most advanced jet fighter in history. You also have Northrop Grumman. You also have Raytheon, which combined with, I believe, Collins Aerospace, they're most well-known for the Patriot two missile, as well as the Raytheon, well, I was going to say the Johnny Stark, not, John, not Johnny Stark, Tony Stark, the Raytheon Sarcos II exoskeleton, which disappeared. I can't help but think they're secretly still working on that. And then they also remained, if you may call of duty, the Javelin, which is a very famous missile, which is shoulder-fired, and it looks like it's going to hit the ground and it goes up. All the research and development, the headquarters for all these huge defense companies, are all headquartered here for a very strategic reason. So, fun, many fun business facts of the day. Let me know if you think it's too much ADHD or if you do or do not appreciate the somewhat correlated tangents I go on.
1: Shamefully, General Dynamics won't even agree to make Veterans Day a paid holiday, despite 25% of their workforce being military veterans
0: that is not good politically speaking i almost laughed because that is certainly a business blunder when you look at the defense the defense industry they overwhelmingly hire veterans it's mutually beneficial relationship it makes logical sense it's a great morale booster the fact they don't have veterans day off again i'm not you ask me how many holidays we should have off basically zero i work 105 hours a week i'm very selective of what holidays i think should actually exist now veterans day that's one of perhaps five or six holidays I think should continue to exist. If and when I become president or whatever. So the fact that's not a paid holiday, that's pretty bad. I suspect the way he's phrasing it, it's not a paid holiday. I suspect it's a holiday, but perhaps it's not paid. I need to fact. I need to dig deeper, because that on his face value makes no sense for a defense company not to have that day off, especially as he says, given the demographic. So interesting enough, people think I am have a disdain towards ta- Sean Fain or I don't agree with everything I don't agree with most of what he says but in this case as cliche sounds there's a little common ground I think that should be a paid holiday off if again your defense contractor and General dynamics doesn't have that for them and that's just in terms of just PR alone that's a terrible business blunder let me know in the comments if you think for that particular case should that be a day off or not I guess the only exception might be wartime which again you guys al- also You could also argue when is the United States not or not, is or is not at war, and you need the production of the support material, the trainings, and the infrastructure to support the troops, which, again, that's a defense company. So, a little nuance there.
1: Last weekend, I went out to Pennsylvania and Maryland to meet with our nearly 4,000 members on strike at Mack Trucks. After voting down a tentative agreement by 73%, the members are ready to fight for more. And we've got their back 100%. Region 8 Director Tim Smith, Region 9 Director Dan Vicente, and myself went out there for strategy meetings with the membership and bargaining committees to talk about how we can do things differently, fight harder, and win bigger. The bargaining team met with MAC this week, and the company basically said they just wanted to rearrange the deck chairs and try to get a revote but the members have already spoken. The council said no, and we expect MAC to come back with something real and quick. At ZF in Alabama, members recently voted to ratify a new agreement that will close the wage tier and grant more time off the job. These members stood strong on strike for a month and have a new contract to show for it. And just about an hour ago, our members at Thalbert in Newton, Iowa, have secured a tentative agreement. They've held the line since August 1st and will vote tomorrow on this deal. Congratulations to those workers on this important milestone. Meanwhile, we're still standing strong with our Region 9 members at Dometic and West Rock, who have been fighting like hell for a fair deal. Just this week, Local 1391 members at CVR Nitrogen, a fertilizer plant in East Dubuque, Iowa, or I'm sorry, East Dubuque, Illinois, voted 88 to 2 to reject the employer's latest offer and walked out on strike. The employer recently decided to mess with the workers' 401k, and our members in Region 4 aren't going to take that lying down. They stood up and join the picket lines on Wednesday afternoon. At the Big Three, we're now well over a month into our stand up strike. Our members on the line, especially those at our first stand up targets at Local 900, Local 12, and Local 2250, have been out in the rain, in the cold, living off strike pay, wondering about the future.
0: Once again, I can't but think strike pay. What's that? Again, I, this isn't going to go on for a year, I wouldn't think that. But what if you got paid strike pay for a year? And I know public schools, I partially blame them. the teachers' unions, they're at an all-time low for, well, everything in terms of testing, you know, history, science, math, the ACT scores are at a 32-year low. And yet the teachers' unions say they deserve more money every year. Nevertheless, we'll do a little fun education here today to make up for their ineptitudes. Now, they're making $500 per week. Now, there are 52 weeks in a year. So, if you multiply those two numbers, 52 weeks times $500 per week means in the year they make $26,000 to strike. Which I was going to say, early in my career I didn't make that much money even when I was working full time. Yeah, alone when I was chilling with the picket sign. So twenty-six grand per year which also means you wouldn't pay taxes I don't believe based on the US tax code. That's another topic for another time. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying if you click the subscribe button it'll ensure that I never stutter again but it may be the cure it might be we don't know cannot hurt to try but nevertheless 26 grand a year that's a not a pretty penny because again pennies are 99.99% zinc so we'll say a vintage pretty penny
1: I want to acknowledge the incredible courage and fortitude of these members and all of those holding the line
0: our courage really come on I mean the united states that word has become so diluted it does it really mean anything anymore Like nevertheless
1: ability to hold out to hit the companies economically and to withhold our labor this is our leverage and this is our path to victory we have one tool and that's solidarity everything we do our picket lines our rallies Our videos and these Facebook live remarks is in the service of building our solidarity and using it to win at the bargaining table. Let me tell you what the company's path to victory is.
0: Uh, Interestingly enough, although they don't believe in free speech in terms of having the comments open or the like button, I mean, YouTube, the company censored the dislike button because they were scared of, you know, public knowledge of how bad some videos are. It is ridiculous they say it was protect children's feelings which again it's bs if you go into the youtube studio the back end where you upload the videos they'll t- still tell you the ratio but nevertheless the comments they actually had a live stream and the comments here are saying they're about half agreeing with sean but a lot of the comments are imploring him to extremely escalate the strike so increase the number of workers who are actually walking off so interesting interestingly enough the from a political perspective, again, moving on the political chessboard, could Sean lose favor after a certain amount of weeks? Because either he's not being radical enough or he's not pushing enough, so to say, in terms of increasing the strike against the big three. Or if they think he's conceding or giving a consent, yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, a lot of people in the comments are actually wanting him to ramp it up, which makes sense. That One of the reasons they voted for him is because that was what he kind of campaigned on. He was known for being, you know, I don't want to say creating conflict like a divorce lawyer, a lawyer but... Yeah, creating conflict to prove the value and, you know, to strike. But nevertheless, back to Sean.
1: Fear, uncertainty, doubt, and division. Everything they do is in the service of fragmenting our membership.
0: What about everything they do is also for the shareholders and the customers? When you look at GM, when you look at all these companies, the the ripple effect and balancing everything... You can't only think about the workers like in terms of if you were to give the UAW what they originally asked for, again, that was valued between 80 and 100 billion dollars. that would bankrupt Ford, that would bankrupt Slantis again, and GM, depending on what year their profits are, it would have broke them even, or they would have gone into the negative. And again, with GM, they still have long-term debt of billions upon billions of dollars. I'm talking I believe 91 billion is the last uh, article I saw with that, which again, eventually they need to pay off. Although perhaps like the US government will just kick the can down the road forever. So again, it will be interesting to see, because again from a CEO perspective, if they have to make, try to make everyone happy, or realistically try to make sure everyone is as acceptable as possible. Because again, they have shareholders to think about who are investing in these companies, people who are dependent on the dividends they pay out. There are a lot of variables in this equation. I can't imagine the accountant or the team more accurately, probably, Who's looking at every single one of these proposals and looking at the fiscal impact it'll have across all these plants, across all of these shareholders. So if anything, I'm actually surprised both sides, UAW and the big three, they don't negotiate these contracts out almost I don't know, like years out? Like again, there's such a long contract.
1: They want you to think, what if they really do close a plan?
0: Well, yeah so that they've done that for decades sometimes they have to every business or most businesses have to both because of profits and some because of per consumer perspe- uh, consumer preferences sometimes you have to do that I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a good thing but sometimes it's reality of business and sometimes depending on the cost and the quality of the plant it just makes sense to tear it down or you know shut it down and make a new one maybe dedicated to a new product and depending on the conv- configuration of the plant and everything it may or may not make sense But nevertheless, I'll partially digress.
1: That's fear. They want you to think, do I really know where this is headed? That's uncertainty. They hope you're wondering, does my union leadership really have my best interest at heart? And that's the doubt. Every time these company executives open their mouth, it is to increase the fear increase the uncertainty, and increase the doubt among the membership.
0: I'm not going to say you'd be a good salesman, but some people pejoratively talk about sales representatives and their job, and some, I believe, again, I I don't do this, not approve of this methodology, but many of them will use that methodology of the FUD, fear, uncertainty, and the doubt. Well, if you don't buy this product what's the consequences if you know how much is it going to cost your company if you don't initiate this new practice if you don't buy this new widget if you don't implement this new rule or you don't get this new contract so interestingly enough it's i don't know if it's a um, let me know the comments i think i do think it's more of a i don't i don't appreciate that approach it's not my approach with my business but this is interesting that he's bringing up this very common business practice i think most americans do not approve of the sales methodology i think many people find it distasteful which is why he's bringing it up So, from a political perspective, I think it's wise of him to bring up this methodology and bring it to kind of enlighten the methodology in which he sees them or he perceives them doing.
1: They win when we lose our sense of purpose, when we lose our sense of unity. And I've heard some members asking, when will we vote on this? Some members think, Maybe we've gotten as far as we can get, and it's time to settle. I want to be clear. The membership is the highest authority in our union. You will always have the final say.
0: The membership is down year over year over year, so that perhaps isn't the best thing to bring up.
1: Everything we do is in service of building the strength of our membership and building a better future for UAW members and the entire working class, but when we vote, it will be from a place of strength. You don't make decisions on your future out of fear, uncertainty, or doubt. That's a recipe for disaster. That's what we've done for decades in this union. For years, we've been playing defense at every step, and we've been going backwards. When we vote on a tentative agreement, it will be because your leadership and your council thinks we've gotten absolutely every dollar we can. We've looked at the company's proposals. We've costed their offer. And in my opinion, and in the opinion of the vice presidents, and in the opinion of your national negotiators, there is more to be won. One thing we've been hearing over and over from these companies is how they've offered us record contracts. They stole that line from us, by the way, and you know what? We agree.
0: The- is that really something like a record con- who first used that term? Who first used that term? Use the term record contracts. that's disappointing the brave search is pretty much when i look up that well, makes sense who first used the term record contracts it's all about contracts for the record industry which if you're a youth or i was going to say records used to be these things you used to use to play music the record industry was a thing that helped facilitate bands and music and recording studios to come together they used to use a thing called vinyl and you have a needle on the vinyl by well, I, I know i'm an old soul i will digress back into the actual content
1: These are already record contracts, but they come at the end of decades of record decline.
0: Also isn't the market share declining? I mean, these companies, the big three made Detroit back in the day. Detroit used to be the richest city on the planet, a cultural phenomenon. I mean, they were the big three. You had GM, Chrysler, Ford, and then competition reared its head. and. For better or worse they didn't adapt properly they lost market share this is the reason why honda toyota they grow exponentially even kia and hyundai they've in terms of their quality they've come a long way heck in the past 10 years that company's grown astronomically into making an impressive product i'll be not enough stick shifts, if you ask me but yeah the big three they're becoming less of the big three in part i think a mixture of many things it's not a very single variable analysis of the situation But a couple of things being the cost of labor already being higher than the competition and the quality of the vehicles going down on average. I mean, it's not what they used to be. And my family, many of them came from Michigan. I mean, the stories out here were astronomical how good things used to be. But again, that's also because they had a majority market share too, they were huge. So, I mean, again, my three cents for the moment, You should be two cents, but 40 year hyperinflation, she charged four cents by a generous man. Thus, still for you to click the subscribe button. Some of those things where times are just changing. So, it'll be interesting to see. But nevertheless, what does Sean continue to say?
1: So, it's not enough to be the best ever when auto workers have gone backwards over the last two decades. That's a very low bar. I also find it a pathetic irony that every time they make an offer, it's the best they can do. It's a record offer and then two days later there's a new record
0: I agree the, again they should have been steadfast in their very first offer again depending on what negotiation tactic you prefer I I personally find it a waste of time to go back and forth for weeks over a stupid price point I like to be pretty straightforward and transparent when it comes to my business I say here this is the quality service we provide this is the best price of this value I mean life's too short I'm just I'm transparent there's a certain price place need we need to be at to either actually stay fruitful as a business so we can actually grow and reinvest into ourselves I mean so in terms of Sean Fain I actually agree on this point GM and Ford and Chrysler this year just came out with their best offer again given the politics of this situation I don't think that would have worked anyway, because again Sean Fain he, he pulled the members of the UAW they wanted to strike so I'm not I guess I'm not surprised they keep coming back to the table, but yeah, from a negotiation standpoint, kind of makes it look weak. Let me know in the comments if you think different. If a different in terms of negotiation tactic would have worked in this case, but again, I think at a certain price, a certain point, actually hilariously similar to the situation when you go to a car dealership, you have to just be willing to walk away if the deal doesn't make sense. And right now, depending on the finances, the numbers are changing on an hourly basis with all these different different proposals going back and forth. You just have to say we can't do it so I'll it'll be interesting to see you know what the final offer ends up being but Sean has a point here in terms of it's not making the big three look good when every week or every two weeks they just give a little bit more a little bit more I mean it's making Sean look great I mean the politics the optics are good for his party the members are seeing Sean get more and more every time he goes up to bat for them so I mean it's almost as if they they're actively helping this guy
1: What that should tell you is there's room to move. This week, while we were literally at the bargaining table, GM released a video. And in that video, a millionaire GM executive asked our members directly, with all that on the table, why are we on strike? Meanwhile, the next day, the wage increase goes up the progression goes down, and the retirement money goes up. That's why we're on strike, because these extremely profitable companies have more to give. Last week, we took out the biggest auto plant in the country. The brave members at Ford's Kentucky Truck Plant joined the stand-up strike on a moment's notice and delivered a serious message and a serious economic blow to ford motor
0: company i'm not saying they should move that plant but yeah move that plant i mean again i talked about it earlier in the show if you're watching the whole show today we talked about how the uaw just walked off from ram well chrysler dodge rams to ford pickup production line they watched about about 6,800 workers walked off that site trucks are the bread and butter of ford motor company the internal combustion engine trucks is really they make a majority of their profit to fuel their EV fleet, which is, again, they're trying to get profitable, they're losing money now. The only reason they're in business is because of the internal combustion engine and that profit from it. So it is a big blow to kneecap them at that, that plant, because again, that's the lifeblood of the company. And again, politically speaking, they know that.
1: As we said last week, it wasn't just Ford who was going to get the message. It was Stellantis and General Motors as well. I'm happy to report that in the past 24 hours, we've seen serious movement from both Stellantis and GM. Meanwhile, Ford continues to stew about KTP and pretend they can't afford what we're asking for. On Monday, Bill Ford went to the Rouge to talk the same old talk about needing to stay sustainable and competitive. He said if the workers get our share of economic justice, he'd have to close plants like the Rouge. We took those comments seriously. For all their talk about wanting to invest in American jobs, they have the audacity to come to the Rouge and imply they might close it down while they make billions in profits off the products our members build there.
0: I swear, I don't know if he's never read a business book. Now, granted, he's appealing towards his audience. I understand that. But... I mean, these companies reinvest their money, and they actually have shareholders to reward and actually incentivize to keep their, to actually not sell their stock as well, because they pay dividends as well. So, it's, it's almost like a bad relationship. Like, it's not all about you. But nevertheless, we'll continue to, uh, him.
1: It's never gonna be enough for these people. We've taken cutbacks.
0: I, I, he's not looking in a mirror. I, I was sworn he was for a second there, but no, he was not. Cutback
1: after cutback done give back after give back over the past 20 years. And what do we have to show for it? 65 plants closed in 20 years. Real wages down 30% over 20 years.
0: Is he he going to tell us how many of those plants relocated?
1: Jobs killed and standards gone.
0: No, I guess he's not. Again, sometimes plants are sold because they don't produce a product that's... The product doesn't need it anymore. And in some cases, you can't, depending on what you're building and what you're manufacturing, it's not really advantageous to try to retool a plant. I'm not saying every situation, but certainly sometimes that is the case. So, we you look at the Chevy Cruze, which I thought was actually a good little vehicle. Granted, it's because the engine and the transmission was built. The, the transmission came from Austria, interestingly enough. If you bought the correct Chevy Cruze, you know, the one with the manual transmission, like everyone should have had by default. But nevertheless, if you look at that vehicle, one of the reasons GM sold the Lordstown plant to famously or it would become famously owned by Lordstown EV, which would go bankrupt. But the reason GM was selling it is because the consumer demand for the product was fleeting year over year. So it was decreasing in sales every year or year. And it just didn't make sense to keep the plant open anymore. But nevertheless, back to Sean.
1: Bill Ford said it shouldn't be Ford versus the UAW. He said it should be the UAW and Ford against foreign automakers i want to be crystal clear on one thing the days of the uaw and ford being a team to fight other companies are over
0: again the divorce attorney always create conflict
1: we won't be used in this phony competition we will always and forever be on the side of working people everywhere
0: Uh, the competition that's literally eating your lunch
1: non-union auto workers are not the enemy those are our future union family
0: no they aren't i say that because most of those employees can they actually like the ability to negotiate their own contracts to argue that hey i'm better than bob at this assembly i should be paid more by my individual merit and in terms of tesla no one would ever want to join a union because tesla employees in terms of the assembly line workers they get stock options so what would you rather have? A flat rate fee that all your colleagues get paid the same amount, regardless of performance or Tesla stock, which again, historically speaking, this stuff is, I guess it be, I was about to say it's worth more than its weight in gold, but stock is, you know, actually they don't even print stock certificates and stocks you know, stock certificates, historically speaking, are just a piece of paper. So perhaps not the best metaphor, but they're worth a darn, darn good amount. So what would you rather have Tesla stock or to be part of a union working for Tesla? I'm pretty sure I'd take the stock, but I personally work like hell and I like to invest myself in the upside, but that's just me.
1: Since the stand-up strike began, we've had thousands of non-union auto workers reaching out, wanting to join our movement. So no, we're not going to partner with Ford in a race to the bottom. And we're not going to partner with the big three to match the low standards of the non-union automakers. Instead, we're going to organize non-union auto workers everywhere. Together, we're going to stand up and take on corporate greed.
0: Together, we can continue to destroy American manufacturing. Is that is that my earwax? Perhaps is that what he said? Uh, uh, don't forget, the largest automotive company, or one of the largest automotive company that's growing, is BYD in China. They're going to become one of the largest EV manufacturers on the planet, and this is, and ironically speaking. The government's these people elected are pushing EV mandates those imports are becoming sooner than we think I believe.
1: Right now we're striking the big 3 like we've never struck before. Next we're going to organize non-union auto companies like we've never organized before. And together auto workers are going to fight to make sure that auto jobs everywhere are good jobs. Jobs that can sustain a family jobs that allow everyone to retire with dignity, jobs that are essential to the green economy without sacrificing our union standards. So billionaire Bill Ford made his own speech this week, talking down to us and telling us what we should be willing to accept. Literally, the next day, the company made an astounding announcement. Ford Motor E Company, said they were going to give an additional $600 million in shareholder dividends this year. Excellent. That amount of money alone would amount to about a dollar an hour raise for all Ford workers for the entire life of this next contract.
0: Are those Ford workers buying shares of Ford to be more invested in the company? Again, dividends help grow companies because they incentivize people to buy and hold stock, keeping the price up and increasing the price. So again if you want to use the emotional rhetoric i play that game too well, grandma down the street she invested her whole life savings into ford motor company she can only afford to pay for groceries because of the dividends ford motor company pays for her again there's a lot of people invest in those companies they're actually in terms of real world examples their main businesses and many 401ks that are tied up into ford including retirees there are a lot of people who rely on those dividends
1: dividends are just throwing money at Wall Street
0: you could buy Ford stock today it's literally what is it like it's under $15 per share last time I checked let's see Ford stock today and again by the time this is published it might be a little out even better deal well again I'm not financial advice it's under $12 per share and the dividend yield is 5.23 percent so again there are some people who are gonna buy that stock just because they pay those dividends and any beautiful thing about publicly traded companies anyone if you believe in that company you can invest in it so anyone can invest in these companies it's not just the cliche thing that people talk about in terms of Wall Street and fat cats investing in these businesses it's lot hard-working Americans who just set aside $20 a month or $30 a month to buy publicly traded stocks as part of their long-term retirement plan but that's not again Sean's playing politics and he's appealing towards his audience and I suspect not all but now, insignificant portions of the audience is thinking about a single-variable analysis and just thinking about their side of the perspective, their side of the equation. And they're not thinking about these other variables that I am bringing up today.
1: And I don't have to tell you, lavishing money on people who are already rich doesn't improve the business, and it does not improve the economy. It doesn't make Ford more competitive and it doesn't secure a future for Ford.
0: It definitely makes it more competitive. If there's two automotive companies, you're thinking about where should I place my money? Which again, investing in a company that has a divorce constantly going on, AKA Ford with the UAW and Ford, same with GM and Chrysler. Perhaps some people would say that's imprudent to begin with because you're just like in Shark Tank. They don't invest in couples because they get divorced a lot and usually bad relationships, but nevertheless, an incentive to purchase their stock over the competition would be they pay dividends. They give you a direct incentive to buy their stock. But nevertheless, back to Sean.
1: Investing in our members does all of that. What Ford is showing us is that the money is there. They just don't want us to have it.
0: Again, you're not the only person at the table. A wise man once told me when you're working in business, you're working with a lot of parties involved, especially in business to business sales. A a good saying is, everyone at the table gets to eat. And that's true for the shareholders as well. Again, he doesn't want to admit it, because again, that's not his audience. They didn't vote for him. I understand what he's doing here. But, again, they deserve to eat too.
1: They constantly make statements about a sustainable future, but actions speak louder than words. What's unsustainable is taking the billions we generate in profit and handing them directly to Wall Street. They're telling us there's no more money while they loot the company through the back door. So let's talk about what happened this week at GM Stellantis and compare that to Ford. With no new plants out, both companies put a lot more money on the table. That's because they know if they don't move, there will be serious consequences.
0: The best relationships are extortion-based. a <laughs> situation.
1: But it's a balancing act. As we see it. forward. we took their biggest plan out and they haven't come back with anything new. As I've said countless times, our goal is to get the best agreement possible, not to strike randomly just for the hell of it. Our strategy means we escalate if and only if we think it will win big. So let's look at where we are across the big three. Under wages, at all three companies as of this week, we have a 23% raise on the table. That's up from 20% just a few days ago, and up from 9% when they made their first offer. The companies keep saying they hit their limit, and then their limit went up. And we think there's more ground to gain. On the wage tiers, at all three companies, we have killed massive wage tiers. Wow. This is a major win.
0: Again, let me know in the comments, do you think that's fair or not? It's fascinating. I love hearing stories about some people who uh, have direct stories working at the UAW at one of the plants where they think this is a great idea. Some people hate it. Personally, because I like to work like hell, I always think I'm, just based on my work ethic and my acumen, depending on the application what I'm doing, I like to think I'm worth more than the guy who just started two weeks ago, but some people want there to be kind of a flat rate.
1: ...been a major priority. We believe in equal pay for equal work. At Stellanus, Mopar workers will make production wages. At GM, the CCA and GMCH will make production wages. At Ford, Sterling Axel and Rawsonville will make production wages. This represents huge raises for these members. And will end the toxic wage tier divide among these members. Looking at the wage... Per-
0: Which again, I mean, let me know if you're... It depends depending on what the job is. Do you think it's fair to have someone who's sitting in an air-conditioned parts room, perhaps, getting paid the same as someone who's sweating, pumping out the body panels for some of these vehicles? Again, some people in the... Comp, I'd be fascinated to hear what your particular use case is, your particular opinion is. But it seems to be a point of contention when I make the video for the specific subject when it comes to wage tiers. It's fascinating to see that some people who are pro-union are actually against the wage tiers. It, again, more data the better. I'd love to hear what you have to say.
1: Progression? We started these negotiations with ridiculous 8-year progression. At Ford we got down to a, 3 years where it was in the mid-90s. At Stellantis, they're still stuck on a 4-year progression. And at GM? They want the two-tier progression with three years for all current employees and four years for future hires. Obviously, that's not going to fly. If Ford can do it, so can GM and Stellantis, and we are not adding a new tier.
0: Has he ever looked at the 10Ks or the the fiscals of all these companies to say they're exactly the same? Again, people keep forgetting GM is still in long-term debt. Partly because they went bankrupt so bad in 2009. In part because of the high cost of the UAW and all the mere of benefits they had. So let's just look it up really quick. Here, right here now. What's GM long-term debt? Alright, so this is according to MacroTrends.com. Looking at GM long-term debt 2010-2023. So they're saying, again, this is from MacroTrends.net. General Motors' long-term debt for the quarter ending June 30th, 2023 was $81.37 billion, a 4.22 increase year-over-year. Jeez Louise, it's like the U.S. government. Every year it's gone up. Jeez Louise. So, again, if you're in long-term debt, depending on what interest rates you get, it may or may not make sense if you're trying to reinvest into a new factory. I know there's a lot of variables, but every year they're getting more in debt. Do you think they can afford much more?
1: A cost of living, at Ford we have won cost of living back to where it was in 2009, something we were told was impossible. At GM we're really close, with some tweaks left to make. And at Stellantis, we've still got a deficient coal on the table that doesn't kick in for the first year in, in regards to profit sharing. At all three companies, we've been able to beat back concessionary profit-sharing proposals. At Ford, we've actually enhanced it and temp workers with 90 days will now be eligible. At GM, we've maintained profit-sharing but added eligibility for temps with 1,000 hours on the job. At Stellantis, we've maintained but haven't yet won eligibility for temp workers. In looking at temps, we're fighting to end the abuse of so-called temp workers who make low wages and have fewer rights and little security. At Ford, we've raised the temp wage to $21 an hour and won conversion of all current temps with 90 days worked or 90 days in.
0: Again, it's not going to be great for people who want to progress. They're trying to, dis- again, it's kind of uh, controlling the market. Very similar to the aviation industry in that union. The reason why it's so hard for young people to actually get a job in aviation commercial sense is the unions want to keep out the youth and keep out the other talent, so this artificially inflates the wages. In this case, they're disincentivizing the big three to use temp workers, which, again, depending on the application, is going to be detrimental to their production.
1: At GM, we've also hit $21 an hour for temps, with all the temps who have a year in getting immediately converted to full time. At Stellantis. The temp wage is still at $20 an hour, and we're going to convert thousands of temps. At all three, we're still negotiating a pathway for future temps to get converted to end the abuse of these members. We're fighting hard to win language across the Big Three that will make sure that temporary work is just that, temporary. Looking at job security, One of our biggest proposals on job security has been the right to strike over plant closures. They can't keep closing plants without any consequences. At Ford and Stellantis, we've won that right. We will keep our jobs secure with the most powerful weapon we have, the strike threat. At GM, the company still won't grant it. Looking at work-life balance, At all three companies, we've won additional holiday, the Juneteenth holiday, and two weeks of paid parental leave, a first for our members at the Big Three. There's still room to grow there. In retirement, we know we need to fix our broken retirement system at the Big Three. All three companies are now offering a $3 increase to the pension multiplier and boosting the 401k through gm although gm lags behind ford and Stellantis are offering nine and a half percent employer contribution to the 401k and gm is offering just eight percent
0: that's that's ridiculously good i know people in the tech industry aren't getting those types of benefits
1: for current retirees Ford is offering a $250 annual lump sum payment, and GM just a one-time $1,000 lump sum payment. Stellantis isn't offering anything on that front. The Skilled Trades Tool Allowance, all three companies are now at $1.50 tool allowance for skilled trades. So what's the punchline? This week. GM and Stellantis got the message loud and clear. They hurried to catch up with Ford. But GM in particular is worrying. They tell us they need a two-tier wage progression because they expect to do a lot of hiring. At the same time, they threaten product and won't give us the right to strike over plant closures. I wonder how members of Arlington and Flint truck feel about that. Stellantis has its issues as well. They're still at a four-year progression. They're still at just $20 for temp workers. They've rejected all increases to retiree pay. I know plenty of members at Sterling Heights Assembly Plant and in Kokomo, Indiana, who aren't gonna like that. And Ford is just waiting around, handing out money to Wall Street. I wonder what members at The Rouge thought of Bill Ford's comments implying they might close if we don't settle for what they've offered. The bottom line is we've got cards left to play and they've got money left to spend. That's the hardest part of a strike. Right before a deal is when there is the most aggressive push for that last mile. They want us. They just want to wait us out. They want division They want fear. They want uncertainty. And what we have is our solidarity. We have great negotiators. We have great staff. And we have the best members in the world. We have plans. We have strategies and tactics to keep winning at the table, backed up by some of the most badass unionists in the country. Poll after poll shows we have the overwhelming support of the American public. The U.S. Senate just introduced a resolution to stand with the UAW, and it has bipartisan support. If we stand together, if we have faith, we will win not just a good contract, not just a record contract, but a contract that turns the tide. A contract that finally, finally starts to make things right at the big three and for auto workers everywhere. Last of all, I just want to remind you all of one thing. We said last week that we're not sticking to Friday expansions. We're going to hit when we need to hit and where we need to hit. This week we saw the companies try to get in line with one another. Now we need to move that line across all three. Don't let them divide us. Don't let them scare us. And don't let them confuse us. Our cause is just, the money is there and our strategy is working. Time is on our side. The American public is on our side and the facts are on our side. So be ready and stay ready to stand up. Thank you.
0: Well, interesting speech, Mr. Sean Fain. Now, he says time is on their side, but... As he says that, does anyone want a vehicle made by the Big Three right about now? Economic uncertainty, the automotive market is kind of stagnant. Anecdotally speaking, I went to the dealership to have some work done on my vehicle. Now, thankfully, it's just simple maintenance because it's a Honda, but... And again, it's anecdotal evidence, it's one dealer, but... I went on a Saturday. And because I'm one of those folks where I like to use my time wisely. Mine wasn't gonna drop off my car and have it come back and pick it up. So I stayed there for a couple of hours with my work computer just kind of working on a couple of upcoming episodes and my IT company. I was there for a few hours. Most of the sales reps were just sitting around they're Usually Saturdays, in terms of dealership activity, that's when people are coming to view, ve- they're coming physically to come view vehicles. You have the sales reps walking up to them and helping them. It's usually busy as uh, can be. It was pretty darn dead i think partially because the you know huge huge interest rates the uncertainty of everyone wondering if they'll have a job next i mean we talk about all the time on this show Well, of these companies are laying people off geico just laid off two six percent of their workforce about two thousand employees i mean a lot of these companies are laying people off because of the economic uncertainty and, and at the same time they want a record contract which i'm sure they'll get it's just a matter of how much are they going to get and how much can these companies realistically give before they can't afford to reinvest it themselves, and subsequently, maybe they'll go bankrupt again. So, interesting enough, let me know in the comments, again, I wish I could give you more feedback on what people think, but the video disables the comments on their end. Now, they have the live chat on the side of the screen, and most of those, interestingly enough, many of them want to push Sean to, have, to go on a full strike. And some of them, again, this is anecdotal evidence, this is one live stream, a couple of folks saying, let us vote. A lot of people, many people saying, let us vote. A lot of people saying, you know, increase the strike, do a full walkout. Now, in terms of timing and how much they have in their hand, again, they have about 40,000 members currently on strike. And that's $500 per member per week. So each week they're spending about $20 million of their slush fund to pay people to strike. Which, again, if you're a UOW member, that's awesome. Usually that money will be going to politicians trying to kill your jobs, ironically enough, um, because they do a lot of lobbying. But, again, $20 million per week. They had a slush fund of 800 and 8, $820 to $850 million. So, 800, let's be, uh, eh, it'll be going in the middle, $835 million, let's say, they have on hand. Divide by $20 million per week. So, that's 41.75 weeks that they can with the current rate of people not working on the strike they could pay them to not work so that's quite a long period of time how much demand there is for automobiles and how much the UA, how much the big 3 will care that's the multi-billion dollar question so let me know in the comments how much more will the big 3 give in terms of concessions before they just walk away do you think they even have the hook spot or the they think they'll actually have the they'll just actually walk away at all or they just continue to acquiesce to many of these demands eventually there's gonna be a breaking point where they they just say they can't physically do anything again i pity the person or perhaps more statistically these days the software that has to take into account all these different variables in order to see if the latest thing they're going to give to the uaw is going to make or break the company but it'll be interesting to see let me know in the comments what you're thinking be fascinated here what you have to say now going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Ford Mustang Emok a recall due to customers accelerating, which from the manufacturer's perspective, in their defense, who would have thought someone would buy a Mustang Emok and actually want to accelerate? I mean, it's an EV SUV. Would you ever wanna go over 20 miles an hour? I mean, I'm like really partially kidding, but there are actually some folks who actually attempted to enjoy this vehicle and they try to go as fast as you can, which again, who doesn't wanna do that with a new vehicle? Now, Apparently they're recalling just just a couple of those EVs, just a couple. That's mm, yeah, that's a joke. It's quite a bit actually. They're recalling nearly 35,000 Ford Mustang EMOC EVs, which again terrible marketing, manufactured between 2021 and 2020, due to an issue from a key propulsion system component that could that potentially can't handle the heat from fast charging or when the car when the drivers floor it too many times in a row. So if you enjoy your vehicle, or in this case, you're attempting to enjoy a vehicle, you will subsequently break it. Which is ridiculous, especially, I was going to say, every time you have a red light, again, I'm not giving legal advice or driving advice, many people would say that's an opportunity to, well, I was going to say traditionally, burn off the carbon in your cylinders, but in this case, melt down your battery. Now, when asked for continued comment, they said, quote, overheating may lead to arcing and deformation of the electrical contact surfaces, which can result in a contactor that is prevented from closing or a contactor that welds closed, unquote. So, rudimentally speaking, EV not good. Which, again, this is a terrible... Well, I was going to say. Now, you have to wait 28 weeks to get the new part in because of the strike. Or, again, I'm not saying you should buy an EV because, well, personally, I like to have an ROI where the vehicle lasts my lifetime, basically. Or, in theory, longer. But could just buy a Tesla. They haven't had too many detrimental recalls. I mean, they've all had recalls, don't get me wrong, and many people will make fun of them because of the body camel, uh, body panel gaps are an ongoing joke to many people. But again, this is supposed to be their crown jewel of EVs. That's why they gave it the Mustang name. I should say gave, they stole it more appropriately from the iconic V8 stick shift Mustang that you and I love that actually makes the company money. They took that name, they put it on a slapped-on little EV SUV. This was what was going to bring them into the EV world. This is their flagship EV model. This is them saying, hey, this is our big move. We're giving it the best name we have. We're going to put all of our engineering resources behind it. This is going to put our name on the map. And it kind of did. But you see the sales are decreasing more and more. I think partially because of the economy. Partially because a lot of people can't afford a disposable vehicle. Or in a vehicle that only one manufacturer can work on because again that's going to increase cost uh, well, any ev vehicle as well but now you have an issue where if you actually try to accelerate it all those times it yeah so it's going to be a nice little recall does this change your perception of ford's transformation again they're trying to go all in on ev they create a whole new division at the company which subsequently is the only division losing money But again, it's a startup with many new startups. You don't make money for several fiscal quarters. And long-term, it will probably make a profit just like Tesla. After many years, they did get to the point where they're making profit. So let me know in the comments, will this slow down the consumer's perception of the brand? Well, they just won't want a Mustang EMOC anymore. Granted, the number of those people are probably 18 at most. Partially. I
1: was
0: going to say kidding a little bit, kind of. Not really. Well... It'll be interesting to see. Let me know. Does that change your perception? Would you ever buy one with this given new data? Or maybe it'll just... Will it continue to be the flagship brand? I almost, had, I almost felt like I had salt in my mouth then. I said the brand of Ford is now the Mustang Emac. To me, the brand of Ford is going to be the F-150, the one that you know will last a long time because it has a internal combustion engine, and the Mustang with three pedals, also known as a manual transmission, also known as the best way to enjoy any vehicle. But... That's just me, three cents, but to have your flagship model have a huge recall because they simply accelerated, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you again, everyone, for taking the time in to do today, today. Don't forget to take time to like, subscribe, and comment. Again, I'm trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of October, so you can click that button. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, the comments and the feedback make the show better and better, and I appreciate it, even if it's critical, because that's how you improve the most, I would argue. Also, and lastly, don't forget to take time to Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.